This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Monday, July 27th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Brandon Marcello. National College Football Reporter for 24-7 Sports. Brandon, I'm glad to have you on as what's become, in what's become a Monday tradition for us on the College Football Daily. And I've been out of the pocket the last few days. I've been doing a little moving, so I think you're going to be the perfect guest to walk us through everything that's happened the last few days in, in the College Football COVID-19 landscape. So I hope you're ready to sort of empty the notebook on us. Certainly. You missed a lot. We're moving to a 16-game regular season and uh, 16 team playoff. It's incredible. Sounds like major league baseball. So I, I think the the biggest storyline was probably what didn't happen on Friday when the NCAA board of governors decided to kick down the, the road, a decision on whether to host championships in the, at the FCS and division one, two and three levels for fall sports, because even though they don't control FBS football and the college football playoff, you do believe that college football commissioners, athletic directors might have been pressured a little bit had the NCAA canceled everything. Yeah, certainly. And um, I, I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but the the, the folks uh, on the power five level believe that it would have put some pressure on them to one, make a decision a little bit more quickly than they were wanting to concerning just the format of what this what the season would look like but also it put more pressure on them to consider canceling the season and also for the lower level conferences which just don't get a lot of play because obviously fan interest isn't that high it would put them on, under a uh, a great amount of pressure of hey what are you playing for if you don't have a postseason um so why do you need to have a regular season at this point considering it's already in question why move forward and risk everything when you don't have a postseason to play for. So it would have been, it literally would have been the NCAA cutting the legs off of the lower divisions and saying, uh, you can continue crawling with your hands if you want, um, but uh, you're not going to be able to have a postseason. So, you know, uh, Shane Lyons, the uh, West Virginia Athletics Director, who's also the uh, committee chairman for the uh, NCAA Football Oversight Committee. Uh, pinned a letter, I think on Tuesday and sent it to the board of governors saying pretty much like, Hey, listen, do not make a decision. When you guys meet Friday, delay this. Everybody needs more time to think this over. Let's not act even a week early or a few days early. Let's, let's let some more time go. We've got time to make a decision. Why make it now? And, uh, a lot of other people, uh, college presidents pinned similar letters, uh, as a group uh, throughout the week, and uh, it grabbed the attention of the Board of Governors, which, by the way, is primarily made up of university presidents. And that's why there was quite a fear, I don't know, a fear, but maybe an expectation, an un- underlying expectation that it was very possible that these university presidents would just go ahead and make the decision of, well, let's go ahead and cut down the postseason. Because 
not to say they're disconnected from college football or anything like that or college sports, but they're they're more aligned, obviously, with the academic pursuit of their universities uh, as the university presidents. And, you know, right or wrong, um, they weigh that a little bit heavily, uh, more heavily than than football from a football perspective. And so they probably would have been more willing uh, if there was not interjection from other people uh, this past week to just go ahead and say, yeah, let's call off the post postseason right now and put the pressure on these conferences and individual schools so that they can move forward to either make a very, very short season or just cancel their seasons altogether and, and because they don't have a postseason to play for. So long story short, we've got about a 10-day uh, uh, execution stay, so to speak, on um, – uh, the Board of Governors making a decision about postseason sports. I suspect that at some point they're going to probably cancel the postseason sports from the NCAA perspective, just from talking to people. But that wasn't really the issue. The timing was the issue. They These people wanted them to wait until the final moment that they could um, to be able to make this decision. But one way or another, I know we we've talked about this before but and Shane Lyons has even mentioned it this is the West Virginia Athletics Director he believes it could have great impact and influence on what the FBS conferences do in the future about as far as making a decision about the upcoming season but there are still some out there just like listen we are moving forward despite what the NCAA decides of the lower level sports and lower level division football and that we're just not going to let that affect us but you know, again, right or wrong, like I said, I'm not taking a stance on this, but right or wrong, you could, you could argue both ways. The NCAA is just, it's doing what it believes is, is best, but FPS is acting on its own uh, and doing so too. And the optics of this all comes together. We discussed this. I wrote about it yep. a yep. month or two ago feels like a year ago but the optics of it the pr of it you know it's kind of weird that we have to think about that but that's the world we live in and if you continue a season while everybody else isn't playing it becomes oh this is a cash grab or you're putting these kids at risk and everything so this is something that they've got a they got away they just do that's just the world we live in do the people making the decisions the the commissioners the university presidents at the FBS level, the power five level, do they have the steely resolve needed to go forward with a college football season? If the FCS and, and, and the like are not, do they have the resolve to do that in the fake of, in, in the face of what would be some public backlash? I think they're getting there and I think they might already be there. I say that because I think so too. I, I, yeah. yeah. I say that because of one, what they have said, particularly Greg Sankey um, and Bob Bowlesby uh, in the Big 12, Greg Sankey in the SEC. Pac-12, I'm not so certain. It's a different atmosphere politically, uh, socially, and of course, just with the virus on the West Coast right now. But uh, I think that the what we're seeing and what we've been discussing these last two weeks, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are trying to work together to kind of formulate – a plan that is in as much lockstep as possible to get to a season. And I believe that 
the conferences are giving these teams leeway to say, hey, if you're missing a non-conference game, go ahead and schedule it. Um, go ahead and get that done. We're going to keep trying to play for a 12-game season. Now, I say that, at least in the Big 12, and, I, and because Oklahoma announced on Saturday that they're moving up their Missouri State game from September 5th to Week 0 in August 20, on August 29th, which shows you that, hey, they're, they're heck-bent on playing a season but also getting games in, so let's move it up. Uh, and that's obviously comes with d- not direction from the Big 12, but permission from the Big 12. They wouldn't allow them to do that if they didn't say, hey, we're trying to play a 12-game season. Because if they were to play just a conference season, nine games or 10 games, they would only play one non-conference game. And that one non-conference game would likely be against another Power 5 team from the ACC or the SEC. So you can look at it from two two different ways when we look at this. this. This is the whole thing. Every decision branches out to like multiple possibilities, which makes this so so complex and has so many layers and things to discuss. But one way to look at it is OU moved that Missouri State game up early and earlier in the season, a week zero, so that they can say, "Hey, we already played our non-conference opponent. We don't have to go play, you know, Tennessee. You know, we don't have to play a tougher opponent." because we already played our one non-conference game. So just give us our nine uh, conference games and we're good. That could be a way of looking at it. And certainly if I was the uh, uh, Oklahoma Athletics Director, Joe Cascaglione, I'd I'd be pushing for that myself. Another way to look at it is they're truly trying to play 12 games this season. So moving a game up um, gives them the opportunity to start the season early and to get more games then, or at least give them a wider window, as we have spoken about before, to play 12 games in a 13, 14, 15-week schedule now that they moved up the season one week at Oklahoma. Um, That's two ways to look at it, just from that one announcement uh, from Oklahoma out of the Big 12. If you're the Big 12, why are you more likely, or why are you being more aggressive with your scheduling than the SEC would be? Uh, well, number one, you've got less teams, so the, the the opportunity there is to be more flexible. For one, every team in that conference could play each other, as I said, and be a nine-game conference schedule, whereas the ACC and the SEC are looking at 10-game schedules with a, with a plus-one model. Uh, the other model that's being discussed out there among the SEC and ACC is an eight-game conference scheduled with a plus-two model with two non-conference games. The Big 12 they're so aggressive on just wanting to play 12 games because they're kind of, let's say status quo, but they're just trying to say, Hey, we're trying to move forward as things are normal and then adjust from there. Um, And it's certainly when you look at things, um, it looks like the PAC 12 obviously is about to announce what its schedule is going to look like this, this week. Um, And obviously the ACC the SEC and Big 12 are going to be the last in line to make any decisions. And to me, it almost looks like the SEC and the Big 12 are going to be the two conferences that make their final decisions as we stand today because the Big 12 is kind of not necessarily at step one, but they're like, we're going to try to play as many games as we can, whereas the SEC, from everybody I've talked to, they're moving forward with an idea of playing maybe 10 games um, and the ACC is busy developing whether they should do a pod system. They're adding Notre Dame to the conference. Should Notre Dame be eligible for the 
ACC championship and hint, hint, yes, um, they should hmm. be and they will be. Hmm. But I, I think that uh, what you're going to see this coming week, and, and of course this could all be wrong because things, as we know, change by the hour in these conferences. They're almost reactionary sometimes if another conference does something. But um, I suspect the SEC may not make an announcement this week as we kind of expected they would at the end of the week. The presidents and chancellors for the SEC meet Thursday virtually to discuss the football season along with some other issues. Certainly they could vote on something and make a decision then. But uh, at this point, I don't know if the SEC would announce anything on Thursday or Friday. I think they might wait till next week to do anything. Um, at least that's my feeling right now. And, and I'm kind of 50, 50 on that. They could very well announce something late this week, just as far as what a framework of a season looks like the ACC could do it any day. Um, and the big 12 could do it any day, but the big 12, as I said, seems more along the lines of let's just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And the SEC is kind of along those same lines too, even though Greg Sankey has set up like kind of a timeline for end of July early August, but uh, that's kind of how I see things going this week. The College Football Daily will be right back. Let's say we wake up on Tuesday and the Pac-12 announces its slate for 2020 in an NFL-style reveal, and we've got Oregon versus Washington week three, Utah-Arizona State, USC-UCLA week six. How many grains of salt are you taking with all of that? Are you letting yourself get get excited and starting to look ahead to those actual games well listen I, I get excited no matter what with games when i see them announced heck i got excited saturday when i saw missouri state against oklahoma in the in the opener in week zero too. like the, the optics of moving a game up yeah kind of got me going. Got, me, got me excited but also i was like oh yeah bobby petrino coaches missouri state now so how fun is that gonna be um but you know, I, I think every game obviously will have an asterisk next to it. We know they won't have it, but it will because we don't know if those games will be played still, and we don't know how many of those games will be played, which games will be moved, which games will be canceled. It's just uh, it's the first plan, so to speak. It's the first, uh, here's what we're planning on doing, and it will change. It certainly will change. Not every game is going to be able to be played. Um it's just not going to be able to happen that way from the first schedule reveal. Um, but I think, yeah, the Pac-12 will be the first to do so. Big Ten's going to do something uh, as well at some point. But I, I'm a little excited, actually, to, to hear what the Pac-12 schedule looks like, even though uh, it, it has been leaked. I know uh, uh, Brett McMurphy with the stadium, who's got sources out the wazoo when it comes to scheduling and bowl games. He's pretty much got it all figured out. Um, and some exciting matchups there, including, you know, Oregon versus Utah, which, you know, is fantastic after what they battled through last year's contenders. Um, but I, I think the bet, you know, mentioning releasing these things like NFL style, I think it's the best thing to do for these conferences. They got their own networks now. They should make like a whole day around it, you know, uh, announcing these schedules. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's actual content. It's actual content that I think I've started to feel a little bit just the idea of a schedule release. And I don't know, Brandon, maybe it's watching major league baseball 
you know, go off without a hitch this past week, even with positive coronavirus tests uh, here and there, seeing the NBA on track. And I know this is a totally different, these are, these are totally different things, but it, it does feel, you said last week on this podcast, you were steadfast in your belief that somewhere in this country, yeah, college football will be played this fall. So I'm just just seeing all the other sports pop up. It, it makes me feel a little bit better. But then you also have headlines like uh, Michigan State quarantines football team, Rutgers quarantines football team. So I'll ask you the same question about grains of salt or tablespoons of salt or cups of salt at this point. How much concern do those headlines give you? Uh, you know, like a lot of people in the back of my head, I just keep thinking this just isn't going to work and we're not going to have a season. It's just too many. You know, I saw where Brian Kelly made an interesting comment to ESPN about, you know, the NBA and even to the MLB to a certain extent, but but especially the NBA, they're in a bubble. Whereas college football right now kind of is in a bubble because it's just the student athletes on campus on the campuses across the country. But once not every campus is going to have students on campus this year, obviously, but some are. And when they do, like Brian Kelly said, he says, we're not going to be in a bubble. We're going to be coming out of the bubble during this time and being surrounded by people who could be potential carriers of the virus. So there's no way to really protect them, even if they tried as much as they could, because obviously they're not inside the athletics facilities all day, even though they're there most of the day. Um, I don't know. I, I, I waffle between the two. I try not to make any assumptions, obviously. A lot of people out there, a lot of other sports writers, media members, um, even coaches and everything, they make, they make assumptions based off what they're seeing. They try to extrapolate what they're seeing now and how much worse it could get or how much better it could get. And I, I try not to get into that mix. I'm trying to see what's going on now and just report the news with it, but there's always that creeping kind of shadow in the room that you're kind of going is, Oh man, is that, is that going to go away or is that going to stay there? Because I, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean the commissioners have made it clear that if the cases continue to go up nationally and in their regions, they're not going to play. I mean, they have, they have said that in so many words over the last two weeks. I remember, remember a week or two ago when Greg Sankey and all the commissioners said, hey, wear your masks, everybody. We got to see these trends go down. That's important. And unless the trends start going down, I mean, if we're following what they're saying, uh, there wouldn't be football. Um, or it would at least be delayed. And they would, as, as we've said before, keep delaying and delaying and delaying until they can't play. Uh, but right now, I, I'm kind of 50-50 on everything. I'm just kind of in the middle of the road waiting to see and and hear everything. I mean, because I hear – I mean, I can't tell you how many different takes I hear on this from coaches, administrators, some of the decision makers privately, and it, it, just, may, it, it just kind of shows you – and it's really no fault of their own how unorganized all this is because of the structure that's in place for college football. There's no, I mean, they try to communicate on the power five level, but there's no boss. There's no commissioner over overseeing everything. There's no football czar and the NCAA is not overseeing everything uh, in the FBS and college football. So 
it's every man for their own and they got their own thoughts. I mean, imagine if like, well, I mean, you couldn't imagine it because it's a smaller situation with the MLB or even the NFL. But I mean, imagine the NFL, you know, being a 150 team league. And even if they are professional and doing bubble stuff, imagine trying to say, yeah, they're all going to be able to play a season. Now translate that to college football where they're not professionals. They're not able to just say, this is my job. I'm going to go quarantine or be in a bubble of my own in my house and not go out in public. That's just impossible to do in college football. I keep thinking about if if we're going to have a season, administrator, administrators, college officials, they're going to have like they're going to have to come up with some spin that it, it's not just oh you know, we we wanted the money like they're they're going to obviously have to find a reason to justify yeah. playing because there will be backlash. I keep thinking I, I wish we were already in an era where there was structure in place for name image likeness to where you had at least a percentage of college athletes being able to profit off of off of this because you've seen a few a few players tweet. I saw the Michigan State offensive tackle tweeted a few days ago like you know why why do you guys think we're we're going to keep trying this because it makes everybody so much money except for us i just i i keep thinking like that could be that could have been a, a workaround here because the nfl you just know they're going to play they have, they're absolutely going to uh, you kind of yeah. knew the nba the mlb nhl labor wars aside we're all going to figure it out in college football it's just tougher because you the schools have a responsibility to their communities and then they have a responsibility to the players who play college football for free. And it seems like if they're going to play while things continue to get worse, you're putting the players at risk and you're also putting the community at worse at risk. And you don't have any sort of the things to fall back on like the NFL or the pro sports have where you say, yeah. well, they're getting some money. Now, all that's to say, like, well, I, I do yeah. think seeing how many contingency plans are being put into place by the day, and seeing news like Oklahoma State or Oklahoma moving up opener and, and creating some more flexibility, that that still has me thinking this could happen. But they're they're going to have to to walk on a tightrope. And there's I'm ac- absolutely expecting a ton of blowback, especially from the academic community attached to each of these universities. Yeah, um, and as we're recording this, uh, looks like the ACC might even release their schedules as early as Wednesday. So. Um, But, you know, we talk about players saying, hey, I don't see how we're going to play or I'm not going to play if we're at risk and doing all this. And certainly there will be players that if there's a season will be they might hold out, might not play. Um, I think we all kind of know that everybody makes their own decisions. We've seen that in Major League Baseball even. But I'll just share a story that, you know, when I was early in the business, I covered a uh, indoor professional football league called the uh, NIFL national indoor football league. It was terrible. Um, There was this team that started, had all these former big time college players locally on the team. And almost immediately they ran into paycheck problems. They weren't getting their paychecks or whatever. And then, like the owner of the of the uh, team, just pretty much like just left town and went back home, out of state. And they had a game that week, and so 
these guys who weren't getting paid, these football players not getting paid, went out there and decided to help like put the field together. Uh, they managed to only get one field goal post up um, because of limited resources. And they were in the back in the locker room. The locker room was wide open. I was going back there just like, is there going to be a game today? And you had <laughs> their football players dressed out, sitting on the loading dock of this facility, drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and everything and just you know cussing and, you know, I can't believe that guy. I'm not playing without getting paid or whatever. And then you know what happened? They end up playing anyway. Because one, they love football, but two, it was an opportunity for them to, hey, maybe there's always this hope, you know, that you can go out there and show yourself and and all of a sudden it'll take you to the next level. Maybe you'll get a notice from a, even another indoor league or another, you know, uh, minor league football system that might come along. And so they played, even though they weren't getting paid, and half of them were probably drunk, <laughs> and, but they did it anyway. And I'm not saying that college football players are in such dire situations, but there's that drive among the competitive competitive players who want to make it to the NFL, who might be borderline guys to begin with, or even guys that need to improve their draft stock. They're going to be like, I've got to play. I've got to play. I've got to play. And um, I think, no matter like no matter what happens this year, if there is a season, no matter the optics of it, no matter if it's really really bad out there with the virus, you're going to have players out there. They're going to play and risk everything because they feel like it's their only way of improving their life later down the road. Wow, it feels like a a tale from last chance, you. But I think you might be onto something. So, all right, Brandon Marcello, that's that's really great stuff. This you know, thirty minutes deep, almost of just like every part of college football's attempted comeback that you could want to know it's gonna be a busy week though um make sure you're following brandon at b marcello on on twitter brandon thanks for joining us man thank you trey all right that's gonna do it for today's episode of the college football daily we'll talk to y'all on tuesday